0: Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast with your host, Kyle Marcotte. On the Own Your Own Time podcast, we talk about how to become financially free and own your time. Hope you enjoy. Today, we have Nick Ameluxon on the show. Nick is a partner with me at Quantum Capital and on a 90 unit in Austin. Last year, he closed over 200 units. He was able to leave his job as a mechanic and focus full time on real estate investing in just one year. He's a great example of how fast you can make radical change in your life. And I think you'll learn a lot from him. Thanks for coming on the show, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, can you share your background and how you got to where you are today with the listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Without going too far back, um, I was in college for mechanical engineering, and I decided, you know, that wasn't really for me. Um, as much as I, you know, was told to pursue that path and go down that path, um, you know, I just it wasn't something that resonated with me. I didn't want to, I don't know, sit inside all day in a cubicle. It's kind of what I pictured. It. I don't know probably would it would have actually been like but that was the point for me where I decided I wanted to be more active in what I do and I'd always kind of considered real estate um, but when I got out of high school it was 2008 you um, know I had a plan for a flipping company I decided to uh, pivot and I started working uh, in the automotive industry uh, where I stayed for about 11 years um, with Volkswagen and Audi and you know, through that, it was a great, I'm not going to knock it as a career. It's a great trade. Um, I made a lot of money relative to what I was doing, but I got to the point where I couldn't scale up anymore. You know, I had tried management, I had tried you know, being a shop foreman, uh, and it just wasn't really what I was looking for. And I knew that I had, you know, more potential. Um, and that's when I had started investing. I actually, started investing in 2013 or 14 in stocks um, and then got kind of burnt in that. Uh, actually investing in volkswagen funny enough um, when the whole dieselgate thing happened that kind of cleaned me out a little bit and then uh at the same time i purchased a single family home for us to live in my wife and myself and our our children and stumbled on a podcast called bigger pockets and got me thinking you know this whole control thing was really appealing at the time having just you know lost well lost money in the stock market i didn't sell which is good but you know lost value in the stock market um through something that i couldn't control at all um and so i got into real estate investing and then just started uh small you know i started with the single family we ended up moving out of that one and renting it bought a duplex rented out half of that while house hacking bought another single family uh and then realized you know the the same thing i had when i was a technician to scale it was just going to take too much time to reach kind of the level i wanted to be at uh, so started looking into multifamily. And of course, this had taken a few years. So at this point, the first single family we had, had appreciated. So I was starting to look at selling that and moving into something larger. And the more we kind of looked at it, I was like, well, if I'm gonna spend all this time looking for a deal, uh, property management company, contractors, potential partners, like why would I focus on a five unit or a 10 unit? Like why not go as big as I can uh, comfortably. And so that's my, you know, started, uh, um, looking into multifamily and, you know, since then, you know, we've closed on over 200 units.
0: That's amazing, man. I kind of want to dig into the whole leaving the auto mechanic job and how do you go about finding the self-belief to take a leap of faith like that and and to leave a well-paying job, a secure job, um, to go and pursue something that is seemingly not very secure.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you're asking at a great time because it's the in the midst of the pandemic, um, and actually everybody who was at my previous job, um, they're not like go, but you know they're working skeleton crews or hours have been cut. So ironically enough, what I'm doing now is a little bit safer than what I was doing, um, which is a big reason I got into being a technician because I wanted that job security. But also, for a long time, you know I I started my financial education uh, started with Dave Ramsey. Uh, if anybody's familiar with him, um, obviously I don't follow his style of investing, but you know we had always lived way below our means and had a healthy amount in our you know savings should something happen uh, to where we can live for a, a good amount of time um, without having to worry about income. So that that helped. You know, I wasn't I didn't just step out with a few bucks in my pocket and hope for the best. I kind of prepared for this.
0: That's good. I think that's really practical advice. Um, I kind of. And the proponent of just going for it, and uh, my story is kind of funny in that respect of the amount of risks that I took. But I think you're a great example of someone who had dependents, right? You had kids and a wife, and and people to, mm-hmm. that you had to put food on the table for. So you went about it in a smart way. So there is definitely ways to take calculated risks and to try to change your life, um, and it actually paid off for you in in about a year, which is radically quick and. Uh, I just want people to understand the timeline is not as crazy as you think it is. And the risk isn't as, as impossible as you think it is either. Nick was able to, you know, live below his means live like no one else so that he could live like no one else in the future, as Dave Ramsey says. And, yeah. uh, and he was able to leave in a, in a year's time. So it's, it really does just come about, you know, make a plan and then take consistent action on it. And, um, and you'll be where you want to be. You know, the,
1: and the one thing that made it easier to jump as well is, you know, I'd spent a lot of time learning a skill, which I, you know, I encourage everybody to do. Um, so it's not like if I, you know, let's say I jumped into real estate, it didn't pan out or it didn't go as quickly as I could. And I had to step back. You know, I still have that skill that's, it's not like when you're ready to take the jump I, and you can, you know, weather a few storms, I I'd recommend take it. The worst case is that you go back to what you were doing before. That's a great point. It's a really,
0: really great point. What The worst thing can happen, man. You just exactly where you started at. So I want to dig into how you met that first partner. Cause I, I know your story and I know that you met a guy named Mark and he helped you do a lot of those units. Um. This is definitely a team sport, and I just kind of want to go into how you found that first partner.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, so actually the first deal I closed, uh, which you, you were a part of, um, and I guess I should not say I closed, I was a part of, uh, is a 12-unit in Atlanta, and so when I decided to go into multifamily, I realized I had no idea what I was doing, you know, I didn't even know where to start looking for properties that size, you know, you go to, I'd go to a realtor for a duplex, where do I go for a 50, you know, and how do I get them to take me seriously? And all these questions I had. So I ended up joining um, a, a mentorship community, Jake and Gino. Um, and they, you know, that was that was a, a real turning point, not only the the information, but the networking. So, and one thing I learned is, you know, it, it's kind of uh, one of those cliches, you know, your net worth is your network, but I, I honestly, I couldn't agree more. Like I, so many doors have been opened for, for me just by reaching out and talking with people and, and networking, you know, going to going to meetups, reaching out to people online, going to conventions, you know, I've, I've found so many opportunities that way. Um, and so the first 12 unit was actually through people of that community, but then I met Mark actually because I realized, you know, I need to expand my network at the time, you know, being a technician, you work with great people, but nobody cared about real estate investing. I was that weird guy always talking about real estate and they all thought, you know, just wait and Nick's going to crash and burn or I don't know what they were thinking, but trying to get people uh, in that profession interested in what I was doing is tough. So I realized, you know, when I got out or I was getting out, I, I needed a better peer group or not. a, I shouldn't say better. I just needed to elevate my peer group to kind of the level I was looking to, to get to. Um, so I've been on bigger pockets for a long time and kind of what I just started doing was just reaching out to people and anybody who had experience uh, who had you know, apartment or syndicator next to what they do, um, and just seeing if I could help them in some way. You know, could we connect? Could I? You know, can we hop on a phone call? Can I? You know, get you a cup of coffee and anything I could do. And my goal was three people a day, and surprisingly, I I found that when I approached it from that mindset, you know, my uh, I don't know if you want to call it a conversion rate, but my conversion rate was high. I would say ninety percent of the people I reached out to reached back. We hopped on a call. We, if they're local, we you know met for coffee. And actually, that's how I met. Mark. It was like the last, it was out of three calls that day. Mark was like the last one. Um, and I'm kind of like a, an introvert. So doing that was tough for me. Um, just not, I don't want to say tough. It was draining. So it's the end of the day, not really looking forward to another call, but you know, I committed to doing it. And, uh, uh and luckily I did. Cause you know, we ended that conversation with, you know, I'm in Austin, Mark's in Los Angeles and if there was anything I could do for him in Austin, Or if I find anything that, you know, a deal that I think you'd be interested in, can I send it to him? And that's just kind of how, you know, he said yes. And that's just kind of how that started.
0: I love that story. Just reaching out to people on on, bigger pockets, just like shooting them direct messages. It actually is so effective. People really um, underestimate how effective direct messages are. Um, So definitely just take action. Anything can happen. We really don't. Have any clue about what could happen? I'm sure that when you started on Bigger Pockets, you were somewhat optimistic, but I, I don't think you were as optimistic to think that you'd find a partner who would who would help you fund 200 units in Austin that year. You know, it's it's really crazy how, how <laughs> things happen when you when you really do take action.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, and, and I would caution, you know, definitely, you know, reaching out to people like that is powerful. I wouldn't be a spammy about it, and I would keep the number maintainable. You don't know, I want to reach out to hundreds of people a day personally, but especially on the Bigger Pockets platform because they will shut you down as we learned when we tried to let people know our meetup was canceled trying (laughs) to message like more than five people at once it immediately shut us down for spam so just be careful with it you know obviously i i went through that with the intention of offering value to getting some education from people um and that's all i was looking for is to help them in some way so i could learn a little bit and i think if you go with that mindset and that intention you know you'll have good results
0: Totally agree. It always has to come down to the intent of those messages and to make sure that the person you're talking to is also going to benefit. So that's great. Um, I want to pivot to a more personal question. Um, I know that you, we spoke about this um, in the in the past. I grew up with dyslexia and a learning disability as people would label it. And I know that you grew up with pretty severe ADD. And I kind of want to talk about the struggles that you faced and how you overcame that and, and kind of giving some encouragement to kids out there who, who are being told that they have some sort of a disadvantage in the learning department and how they're going to be you know, handicapped, and I just kind of want to talk about how you got over that and how you kind of beat that that barrier. Yeah, I mean,
1: um, so for ADHD um, or ADD, I, I'm not sure what it's classified as now. You know, I was on Adderall for most of high school, going into college, uh, and then decided to to hop off it. But I was on it, I think, for like eight years. And you know, I wouldn't recommend that if you don't need it. Um, it kind of, in my opinion, you no, know, I have my own thoughts about that, so I'm not going to give. You know, I'm not a doctor, but you know how I cope with it now, and I actually, you know, I just turn it into a strength. You know what? It, it, it's it's a part of me. It's I can't really change that aspect of who I am. That's just kind of the way my brain's wired. So how can I help? How can it help me achieve what I want to achieve? You know, I know sitting down and focusing for long stretches of time isn't impossible. I just have to actually almost easier for me if I'm really interested in what I'm doing because I can hyper focus uh, like none other. So, you know, not putting limits on how long I should focus on something and just kind of taking each each project as as far as I can, but then also realizing if I'm starting to get uh, distracted is to take some time, you know, go for a walk, do what you can to, to adapt. But I mean, the way I see is it's just a part of me. I can't, I can't change it. So how can I, how can I design my life around it and
0: use it? I totally agree. It always, for me, it's all about turning your, your weaknesses into strengths and how you can kind of shift your perspective on it. Because in my opinion, you know, I've read a book called The Dyslexic Advantage, just to speak about dyslexia. And it's it's not necessarily a disadvantage. It's just a different type of brain structure. So you're just laid out in a different way. It doesn't mean you're worse or better. Uh, it just means you're different. So you have to find a way to learn with respect to your brain structure and not to label it as negative. As you said, you it's a part of you. You're not going to call it bad. You're not going to put limits on yourself. You're just going to to try to turn that into a strength if you can and figure out how your brain's going to work. Um, and I've found that in a lot of ways in life, sometimes your greatest strengths are actually hidden as weaknesses. It's just kind of like a funny paradox that the world works in. You know, For me, I always thought that being young in this industry was going to be the biggest thing, limiting my growth. Um, but it's actually helped me out a tremendous amount because when I show up in a group, I stand out because I'm the youngest guy and everyone wants to know why the heck I'm there. So I think yeah. that that's like a huge thing that always shows up. And if you really pay attention to that in your life and you have the courage to look at some of those things you perceive as weaknesses, I think that you'll uh, be surprised to find that they're a lot more powerful than you think that they are. So that's really encouraging. I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. And I think what you just
1: just said was fantastic. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's not it's not a disadvantage. It's how can you use this to your advantage? If you, if you just sit back and accept it and you're like, oh, well, this is what people tell me you know, what was me, but it's, it's not, it's just a different way that you're wired and you just find what works for you.
0: I love it. So what's some advice that you'd give to a 20 year old who's starting in business or real estate?
1: Um, I mean the same advice I'd give to anybody uh, when they're 20 or 20 years old is, you know, I would follow your, your passions. Um, and if you don't know what those are, cause I was having people told me that it's like, just go out and do what you're passionate about. I like, well, I don't really know what I'm, what I'm passionate about. And, you know, just try a lot of different things, you know, work on building a supportive network and then learn, you know skills that you can apply to different things. I think you know, a lot of people say specialization, 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 but I think you should specialize once you figure out what you like to do. And to do that too early on, I feel like you're stifling what you can achieve. So I would go out there, I would I would try a bunch of different things, uh see what sticks, learn some great skills that you can use in different areas and really discover what you want to spend your time doing.
0: Yeah, man. And I think that what comes with that advice is don't be afraid to fail. I know school teaches us not to fail and that you got to get all a's and then if you don't you're you know you get a big fat f and everyone kind of thinks you're the dumb kid but failure is how you learn and failure is how you grow and as nick said if you try more things you'll understand what you really want to focus on in the end so I think a lot of times people are so hung up on that purpose thing um, and passion thing because they're too scared to try other things so they're just like oh I'm gonna lie to myself and say this is my passion and then they just kind of bury their head and 30 years later they're like wow I really didn't give myself a real chance so I love yeah. that advice man so what's a habit that you do every day to help you get closer to your goals a uh, habit that I do every day to get closer to my goals
1: you know I'm an avid reader I read I try to read every day you know I I've tried doing the Kindle and. The electronic thing, but I I feel like nothing can beat a paper book. I don't know, maybe it's just the progress you see when you're reading. But I try and read every day. But I think, at least lately for me, uh, is getting outside and going for a walk. You know, I go for a walk in the morning, I go for a walk in the afternoon, and it's just kind of helps me process everything that's happening uh, around. And I come back, you know, thinking of 10 to 15 things that I thought about on my walk that, you know, I've probably been trying to either do or get set up throughout the day. And it's like having that that clarity out there, just hitting the the pavement. Maybe you go for a run. I don't know. For me, it's walking. That's, I mean, lately that's been so beneficial.
0: Awesome, man. I think you've added a bunch of value to the listeners and I, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was, this was great. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I helped.